okay to bring up O'Neal Cruz playing another position? Is that still, like, acceptable? Because I'm going to do that here, even though I strongly supported leaving him at shortstop for 2021. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. O'Neal Cruz has everything that you'd want in a hitter. He also has everything that you'd want in a corner outfielder. That could be the beginning and the end of my argument. Theoretically, it should be the beginning and the end of my argument because team needs, team needs should never supersede what's best for the individual prospect. And I know for a fact that Ben Charrington shares that philosophy because he's talked about doing everything specific to the player, player-level instruction, working with the player, listening to the player, having the player listen to you. This is infinitely better than what Charrington's predecessors were doing because they would come up with a general, broader philosophy about what quote-unquote Pirates baseball was supposed to be in this instance or that instance or this position or that position, and the player had to fit that. So I applaud all concerned for this approach. I recognize it, respect it, and everything else. But, but you can't just dismiss the needs of the team And you also can't dismiss what might be best for that player, that specific player, at the ultimate level, meaning in the majors. Starting with the latter, I'm not 100% sure that Cruz can be a regular, reliable, everyday, defensive shortstop. Yes, there are things that he can do that others can't. With his extraordinary strength and height, he has hidden range, if you will, at the position. Meaning, he'll take two steps to get to something that it'll take Kevin Newman three and a half steps to get to. So it won't look like a great play, whereas if Newman pulls it off, it ends up on the highlights because he has to leap and do the Derek Jeter throwing across his body and whatever else. And I also really admire, in particular when it comes to defense, the way Cruz gets down low, gets under the ball, as one scout told me. He finds a way to get underneath the ball, which isn't really a term that I'd heard utilized before when it comes to infielders, but that's pretty neat. I mean, even though he's really tall, he doesn't wait for the ball to come up into his glove. He gets under it. He makes sure he's got it. And he has no problem for someone who could be a a forward in the NBA getting down there and getting into the dirt. Terrific reach, terrific dexterity. And better than all of that is the arm. He has, as I'm speaking to you right now, the best arm of any player 
at any position at any level of the system. It is explosive what he can do with it. And yes, that does matter for a shortstop. It matters a lot. Makes all the difference in recording more outs than what we usually think about when we think about great arms on defense. We think about either catchers or we think about outfielders. An outfielder doesn't have that many chances over the course of 162 games to record an assist. At shortstop, you're doing it all the time. So there are arguments to be made, and, and I get those. However, however, I believe that this player, with all of his ability offensively, will still be better suited for a corner outfield position. I believe after a significant period of instruction, he'll be good at it, possibly really good at it, and we won't have any of these other questions about him. And I also believe that it'll help him be more of a force, a consistent force, offensively, which is where his real weapons are. Because there's a whole lot less wear and tear at a corner outfield spot than obviously at shortstop. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by the North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone. If you haven't tried Steak on a Stone, it's an eating experience, the best way I could put it. They bring you the steak on a 180-degree rock. And this thing is smoking and all that other stuff that it's one of those when you're when you're in a a restaurant and the the the, the waiter or waitress walks by carrying one of those where you turn your head around and go, oh man, I wish I'd ordered that. That was it. That's what this is. They bring it to you. You start cutting it. It's it's kind of cooked, you know, to a safe extent, but you do the, the rest of the cooking yourself. You make the thing the way you want. Fork, steak knife, the whole deal, turn it on its side, move it off, move it off to the edge. It's an eating experience. Visit North Shore Tavern on Federal Street right across from PNC Park. Now, now that we have done the player first thing, now that that's the approach that we've taken, again, this is just my opinion. I'm not stating anything that's definitive or fact, just stuff that I think. Now that we've done that, looking at this from the team standpoint, this is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. This General manager very, very, very clearly values defense on the diamond itself, meaning the dirt, meaning the infield. That's the reason you see the decisions that he's made at the catcher position, for example. You see Kebrian Hayes is obviously uh, excellent at third base. Other moves have been made that have prioritized gloves in the infield. I mean, look at Kevin Newman getting through the whole season despite batting, what, 210 the whole year? Why was he out there? Why did he keep getting sent out there? Because both the general manager and the manager, Derek Shelton, value the fundamentals. They want to see defense. So if you presume that with all these other middle infielders that are coming up, whether that's Nick Gonzalez, who's not a shortstop, by the way. I'm just throwing names out here. Uh... Leo Verpeguero, who is a shortstop in Greensboro, who's seen as probably the best candidate to come up to Pittsburgh and make an impact at the position. There are other players who've been brought in 
most of them via trade, who also profile to the middle infield. Whereas, what do the Pirates have at the corner outfield positions? My answer to that is nothing. Nothing. At least not anything that I can lay my eyes on. Travis Swaggerty missed the whole year. I don't want to hear about Jared Oliva at all. So what's there? What's on the way? What's coming at the corner outfield spots? Nothing. Nothing. So what are you looking at here? What are you looking at here from an organizational standpoint, from a team standpoint? If you take Cruz and put him in right field and tell him this is yours, you, the Roberto Clemente wall, this whole patch of PNC Park belongs to you and that amazing arm of yours. You make yourself comfortable out here and hit the living daylights out of the ball. And then you don't have to bounce him around when this prospect or that prospect comes up and starts competing for middle infield positions. You do it now. You do it now before anything else gets set for the 2022 season. I honestly don't think it's that complicated. Cruz has played some outfield. Cruz has played enough of it. He can spend the whole spring training in Bradenton out there. Do that, get him ready, and if it looks like he still needs a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more time, that's fine as well. Now, before I drop this subject, I'm going to rewind to something else that I referenced earlier, and that's that I had mentioned that through most of 2021, I advocated for leaving him at shortstop. Well, what changed? Not, nothing changed. What The point of my advocation of that was that I didn't want anything to get in the way of his hitting. His hitting was what was going to get him to the majors. Well, kid had an injury, came back, murdered the ball. Murdered the ball at all three levels, including Pittsburgh. Good for him. The last thing he needed in a year like 2021 coming off the pandemic year was something else to occupy his mind. Now he's made it. He's hit his way into the majors. Now is the time. Now is the time to put him in right field. When we come back, just one question. reserve catcher who can hit above 200 and play okay defense well see we're swinging back to this because I, I made a reference in the opening segment about Charrington prioritizing defense on the infield diamond and I, I should probably add here that Charrington would at least politely disagree with my assessment of that but I'm I'm a proponent of judging people by their actions, not what they say. And when I see an infield that's made up of a bunch of people who can't hit, not all of them, but some, and yet they're terrific defensively, I'm going to believe what I see with my eyes as opposed to what I hear. Not that I think Charrington's lying. I just don't think he likes to be pigeonholed with anything. He denies 
this catcher thing. He denies, even though if you go back to the beginning of his tenure, and I've already forgotten these guys' names, the people that he brought in to back up Jacob Stallings, oh, man, what were their names? I don't even know, but they were all like 140 hitters, 130 hitters who were known as being really, really smart in dealing with pitching staffs, who were known as uh, being really sound in terms of handling pitches in the dirt, uh, managing the other team's base running. For reasons that Charrington apparently would prefer to keep to himself, he and his management team see the catcher's role as principally one in which they're dealing with the pitchers. That you do hear from them on a regular basis, from all of them. And I could see where that would be a real thing. What has the greater impact on the game? The three or four plate appearances that that catcher will make out of the number eight spot? Or the 150 or so pitches that'll be thrown over the course of a night? The other team having a runner on third against you and the pitcher knowing that they can throw a slider away in the dirt and not worry about that run scoring. Does that matter more than that catcher's plate appearances? You see what I'm saying here? Um, It is exasperating. It is exasperating when you watch the Michael Perez's and so forth come to the plate because they are, for the most part, automatic outs. And they're not even going to be productive at bats. You're not even going to get like, oh, at least he worked them for eight or nine pitches or at least he hit a sack fly when you needed it or grounded out to the right side. Now, they're going to be strikeouts, and it's not going to be pretty, okay? You're not going to get much out of it at all. But then when the other team's up and you look back there and you see a catcher that you can trust, which is what the Pirates have had, starter or backup, since the day Charrington and Shelton took over, there's there's a calming effect. There's a calming effect on the entire team. We so very grossly, all of us, myself included, underappreciate Stallings in particular. The plays that he's able to make behind the plate, uh, his blocking ability, his awareness of the entire field. And then from there, the way he handles the pitching staff, all, all of this stuff makes you forget, or no, not even forget, makes you like applaud all the more that he's a 260 hitter who comes up big in, in big situations. This guy is, this is why I keep advocating again and again that Stallings really needs to be part of this moving forward regardless of his age. So there's a real good debate to be had here. I'm not going to settle it. I'm not going to settle it. I'm not going to pretend to have the answer to everything on this show. I've thought about this a lot, as you can tell, but I don't have an answer to it, and I'm willing to be open-minded. I do also wish that the backup catcher wouldn't be a complete catastrophe at the plate. 
So there, that's as far as I'll agree with you on that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do this again tomorrow. 